Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour One. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The Eric Erickson Show, the phone number 877-973-7425, should you wish to be on the program. Well, you know, yesterday I told you, I told you yesterday, within uh, 24 hours... The Democrats would be blaming OPEC, saying they were helping the Republicans. Within 24 hours, less than 24 hours after I made that remark, here's Congresswoman Jayapal on TV. But we do have leverage with the Saudis. The Saudis do need us. My friend Rokana is, is correct that the Saudis depend on us for a lot of support. But in addition, we have tools within Congress in terms of, uh, you know, being able to, for example, repeal sovereign immunity, which the Biden White House made. uh, They didn't specifically say that, but there was some uh, mention in their press release about being able to use some of the tools that Congress has to, for example, repeal sovereign immunity from antitrust legislation that would allow us to punish oil producers who try to manipulate prices for profit. And so I think that these are some of the things that we have to look at because it is clear to me that this move was done between MBS and Putin and others who uh, want to affect the U.S. election. I just don't see how else you can look at this a month before the election. Uh, that's right. They're influencing the election. You got that? This this is their talking point. The Democrats, by the way, have embraced this thoroughly. This idea that the uh, that the that OPEC and Russia together are colluding to help the Republicans, just like 2016. Don't you know? Here's what's notable to me. There's not a lot of pushback from the media. There's not a lot of pushback from the media. All of this outrage about uh, January 6th and stolen elections and whatnot from the media, no one's really outraged about Democrats suggesting that this is a way to influence the midterms. That's not it at all. I want to explain this to you. I spent some time yesterday. This will be duplicative for some of you, but it really does need to be said. You really do need to understand this. Joe Biden wants a deal badly with Iran. He desperately wants a deal with Iran. He wants to um, he wants to redo, revitalize, and reignite his uh, the the progress Barack Obama made, and he Joe Biden wants to make it even better. He wants it to be his deal, so he's compromising greatly. Now, the problem here is that while Iran is in OPEC, OPEC is really led by the other Middle Eastern countries. The the members of OPEC are Algeria, Angola, Congo, Ecuador, Equatorial Guinea, Gabon, uh, Iran, Iraq, Kuwait, Libya, Nigeria, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, United Arab Emirates, and Venezuela. And... Saudi Arabia controls the supply. Now, there's OPEC Plus as well. OPEC Plus includes Russia and a few other countries that have dramatically um, increased their 
uh, oil production. Those include Azerbaijan, Bahrain, Brunei, Kazakhstan, Malaysia, Mexico, Oman, Philippines, Russia, Sudan, and South Sudan. They're, they're non-OPEC member countries that participate with OPEC, uh, and they call it OPEC+. Plus. So you have OPEC and you have these additional countries that are OPEC+. Plus. They tend to take guidance from OPEC without being formal members of the group. Now, here's the problem that we have here. Let, let's look at Oman. Oman and Bahrain, the Philippines, Mexico, the United Arab Emirates, Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, and Iraq, in large part, tend to be pretty friendly countries to us. But all of those countries are threatened by Iran. And Joe Biden wants to deal with Iran more than anything else. Joe Biden wants to deal with Iran. If Joe Biden gets a deal with Iran, nobody believes that Iran will stop pursuing nuclear missiles. No one believes it. Only Joe Biden. And I don't think Joe Biden even really thinks that they won't pursue it. He just thinks that we'll be able to shape their strategy in a way that keeps them from blowing Israel up. But the rest of these countries are threatened. Saudi Arabia leads the Middle East. These are Sunni Muslim countries. Iran is the largest Shiite Muslim country on the planet. They have two different views of Islam. It's like the Protestants versus the Catholics. And... If Joe Biden emboldens Iran, it makes the Iranian mullahs, the leaders of Iran, the religious leaders, wealthy. It destabilizes the Middle East. One of the things Joe Biden has done to show good faith to Iran is to take the Houthi rebels off the terror list. Now, the Houthi rebels are in Yemen. You will note I did not mention Yemen in this list in OPEC or OPEC+. Plus. Yemen used to be two countries, South Yemen and North Yemen. There was a big war. They united. Uh, the country is largely a socialist, uh, near-communist state. It has, over time, moved to be more of a Western state, more friendly with Saudi Arabia. The Houthi rebels uh, want to be uh, united with Iran. Saudi Arabia does not want an Iranian puppet state on its southern border. So Saudi Arabia went to war to destabilize the Houthi rebels. The Houthi rebels funded by Iran, began launching terror attacks in Saudi Arabia. They blew up an oil refinery. They've launched missiles at Abu Dhabi in the United Arab Emirates. They've tried assassinations within Saudi Arabia. And the Biden administration took them off the terror watch list to suck up to Iran. So what if Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates and Bahrain and Oman and, and these other countries done? They've become friends with Israel rather unite with Israel than be friends with Iran. They love the Jews more than they love the Shiite Iranian mullahs. Joe Biden has been destabilizing to the Middle East. In addition to that, Joe Biden has slighted Mohammed bin Salman, MBS, Mohammed bin Salman is the de facto leader of Saudi Arabia. He's a young man. His father is a very old man. His father is the ruler of Saudi Arabia, but he is ancient of days. And Mohammed bin Salman is the next in line.
King Salman of Saudi Arabia is 86 years old. He is the king, and he had an heir and shook up the family line so that Mohammed bin Salman is now his heir. He's 37 years old. He was perceived as progressive, but he's a ruthless tyrant behind the scenes, and he is alleged to have killed the Washington Post reporter Jamal Khashoggi. Jamal Khashoggi was no saint, member of the Muslim Brotherhood and the like. Uh, Khashoggi was no saint, but he didn't deserve to die, and the Saudis killed him. Everybody knows Mohammed bin Salman did it. And Joe Biden has been loath to be nice to Mohammed bin Salman. In fact, when he became president, Salman called him and Joe Biden refused his call and said he's not talking to a prince. He's the president. He'll only talk to a king. It insulted Mohammed bin Salman. So what happened a few months ago? Joe Biden had to go do a fist bump with the Saudi prince and beg him for more oil. And the moment he was out of the country began smearing the crown prince again. The crown prince, shut up, Siri. The crown prince decided to respond to the knives in his back from Joe Biden instead of the fist bumps to his face. And the crown prince decided to curtail oil production. So what's Joe Biden going to do? He wants to go to Venezuela. The the Wall Street Journal is reporting Joe Biden wants Venezuela to produce more oil. He wants to lower sanctions so Chevron can go back into Venezuela, which, by the way, is an OPEC nation or OPEC plus nation. And the Biden administration today is denying this, by the way. The Wall Street Journal is standing by their report. The Biden administration says it's not true. Sounds like it was a trial balloon. And what the Democrats have now is to say, well, this is just this is the Saudis. They don't like Joe Biden. They're trying to help the Republicans. That's what that's their excuse. It's like they blame Putin first. Now they're blaming Saudi Arabia, saying they're trying to help uh, with the Russians, help the Republicans. It's not true. And this is going to be a campaign issue in the final four weeks of this election as gas prices, which never went down as much as Biden wanted them to, now go back up. Yesterday, the price of a barrel of West Texas crude was $86. Today, it's $88. Brent crude is now at $94. Yesterday, it was at $90. It continues to go up. As I'm sitting here watching, it's now the West Texas crude is up to $89 a barrel, almost back to $90 a barrel. It had come almost down to 80. The stock market is in free fall again today. The Dow is down 242 points. NASDAQ down 52. The S&P 500 down 28. Again, why? Because the interest rates, the price of barrels of oil, they're going up. They're going up. And the Biden administration could produce more oil here. This is the most frustrating part of this. We have enough domestic energy reserves that we ourselves should be able to take care of ourselves. We should be able to be a net energy exporter. But the Biden administration has given far fewer leases than any president going back to World War II for drilling on federal land. They've told the oil and gas industry that your days are numbered. 
so they don't want to invest in oil production. Joe Biden would rather embolden, empower, and enrich the tyrants than the Texans, the dictators than the Dakotans. We've got enough oil in our ground here that he could do this. He wants to profit the authoritarians of the world instead of the Alaskans. Joe Biden is putting rogue regimes and terrorists ahead of the American people. That's exactly what's happening here. You may not like me saying it that way, but it's the God's honest truth. He's putting terror regimes ahead of American citizens. He's putting the tyrants of the Middle East ahead of the Texans. He's putting the dictators of South America ahead of the Dakotans. He's putting the authoritarians of Eastern Europe ahead of the Alaskans, Russia, Iran. They get to be in charge of our energy policy because Joe Biden is so committed to the left-wing green cult he will not drill. We need drill, baby, drill. Instead, what Joe Biden has decided to do is continue tapping the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. We now have less in the Strategic Petroleum Reserve than any time in the last 40 years. And Biden had told OPEC when they got prices down to $80 a barrel, he'd start buying. Remember, the Democrats blocked Donald Trump from refilling it when oil was $26 a barrel. Now Joe Biden is promising to fill up the tanks the moment it gets to $80 a barrel. And Mohammed bin Salman says, sucker, screw you after what you've done to me. You'll refill your reserves at $90 to $100 a barrel. And by the way, our national debt is now over $31 trillion for the first time in history. And as interest rates go up, debt service payments become more expensive. We have less money to pay on the national debt. Joe Biden caused this. Donald Trump didn't do this. The Republicans didn't do this. This is a direct result of Joe Biden's policies. Joe Biden has done this. Joe Biden is setting us up for a national security crisis and now says he's okay with Congress passing a law that will punish OPEC and say that they are colluding on price and be legally liable. And you know what that's going to do? That's going to get the OPEC nation to say, well, we're not going to sell to you anymore. Problem solved. The oil embargo will come back. Joe Biden is on the verge of making the Jimmy Carter administration look like a utopia. He's mishandled this every step of the way. And it looks like it's only going to get worse for you and me. Our costs are going to continue to go up. And it's 100% on Joe Biden. So winter is coming. And I got to tell you, I love the weight of the bull and branch sheets. I like them in the summer when it's hot and you don't want a lot of covers on you. But in the wintertime, they're just the perfect weight, the perfect, I don't know, smoothness. They're 100% organic cotton threads. They've got super softness. They get softer every time you wash them. They're just the drape when you're laying down and stuff. They're not, they're just perfect sheets. I love them. Uh, I am effusive with my praise for Bull and Branch, and I'm delighted to have them as an advertiser. Look, they're made from the highest quality threads. They got superior softness. They got over 25,000 rave customer reviews and counting. I'm one of them. The quality you can tell is great. They hold up well after all the washes I've put them through, and they just get softer. It doesn't matter what the thread count is if the fiber sucks, and you can tell they put a lot of great detail into the fibers they use. And look, Bola Branch gives you a 30-night risk-free trial with free shipping, returns on all orders. You're going to feel the difference. You're not going to want to send them back. The first 100% organic fair trade certified betting company ever 
They used 90% less water than conventional production, zero pesticides, other chemical, toxic chemicals. They don't use them. It's just fantastic. Listen, I'm effusive with my praise. I love Bull and Branch. Try them for yourself. And again, you get a 30-night risk-free trial, free shipping, returns on all orders. Try the sheets that will make you fall for the coziest night sleep in the season where you want cozy sheets. 15% off your first set of sheets. Free shipping when you use promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at BolandBranch.com. That's BolandBranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com. The promo code is ERIC. Trust me, they're worth it. We've got five bedrooms, five beds, Boland Branch sheets on every bed. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson. Those of you on the phones, please be patient. Uh, I want to get to you, and this is a somewhat abridged segment, and I don't really want to um, uh, overwhelm uh, the you guys and, and rush you through your calls. I just I got to make one more point on this, too, and, and play you a good bit of audio here. Uh, this is uh, Joe Biden's energy advisor, uh, Hush, Amos Hushstein, talking on CNBC. What's the biggest concern if, if, if you don't think that what OPEC Plus did yesterday, just in terms of this announcement, what they say they're going to do, um, if you don't think it's going to lead to higher energy prices, um, why do we fight so hard to try and get them not to do it? Well, look, I think prices did go up a few dollars over the last several days. I know today they're, they're running relatively flat, but over the last few days they've gone up. But I think that the mistake that they made is that they are, incre- they are cutting production, or now at least they're rhetorically trying to cut production at a time when prices were relatively high. We were already reduced the price from 120 down to about $80 or $85, so a massive reduction in price that what the president set out to do when we uh, put the strategy together several months ago. So we have brought the prices down, but not to a point where it justified a, uh, a reduction in cut announcement by OPEC. And frankly, a lot of countries around the world, specifically uh, low-income countries, are seeing that Saudi Arabia and Russia uh, are colluding against them. Uh, and uh, and that's, that's really unfortunate. Uh, and that's what the mistake is. The, the world is still at a volatile place. We don't know where it's going to go. Uh, and we uh, would like to see prices continue to go down. We've always said we were going to replenish the SPR uh, when prices got to be low. Uh, we've never said what that would be. Uh, so I, this just was not necessary uh, to do at this time. And uh, we're going to work to see what we can do to make sure that a small number of countries uh, can continue to have a, uh, an impact uh, that threatens uh, the global economy. You know, no, uh, Joe Biden said uh, yesterday, he was caught on a hot mic, that no one Fs with the Bidens. OPEC just did. By the way, so did that bicycle, but that's another story. Um, OPEC gets to do this, and there's nothing you can do with them. American policymakers on the left and the right have been complaining about OPEC for decades. There's nothing you can do to stop them from doing this except produce your own oil, which is something that George Bush and Donald Trump both knew and both did and both expanded to minimize our reliance on OPEC. Joe Biden has done this to himself and to you and me. Hello there, it is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, if you want to be on the program, 877-973-7425. Before I move on to anything else, as promised, I want to go to your phone calls. I'm going to begin with Billy. You are going to be up first. Billy, welcome to the show. 
Billy? Billy, you there? Can you hear me? Yep, I can hear you now. How are you? Good, how are you? Good. What's going on? Hey, so you mentioned it earlier, and I had read earlier. Uh, so I'm 32 years old. My entire life, all I've heard is, you know, we're in debt. Debt's getting bigger, and debt's getting bigger. And then when I saw the newest uh, headline, I kind of went and looked up a little bit. I still don't fully understand what it means by we're getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And when I looked into it, the top 50 countries are all way in debt, and it seems like they're all in debt to each other. So if, is there a dumbed-down version you can help explain, like, I mean, who do we owe this debt to? When are we going to pay it? Is it even yeah. if everybody owes each other? You know, it's just kind of confusing. Okay, so th- there is a thinking that at some point uh, – well, well, let me back up uh, here. Let, let, me, let me go way back, and, and forgive me. I'm not an expert in this. I have enough knowledge to be dangerous. Uh, we used to have the gold standard in this country, and there are people who are really big fans of the gold standard today, which means essentially that um, if you have a dollar, it must be backed physically by a dollar worth of gold. And that is why we have all this gold in Fort Leavenworth and elsewhere, um, and other countries keep stockpiles of gold that can be converted into cash. After World War II, the whole country went to what's called fiat money. And there are um, people, particularly of a certain economic sort, who think it's awful. But essentially, we said, here's what everybody's value money is going to be. And we're going to start from here and go from there. And the dollar, because after World War II, we were clearly undisputably in the West, uh, the, the world leader, everyone's money was largely connected to the dollar. We are the reserve currency. When countries are worried about their own money, they buy U.S. dollars because we tend to be stable. And we have something very few countries have on the war, on the planet, which is called the um, the full faith and credit clause of the Constitution, meaning we can't file for bankruptcy as a country. Other countries can go broke. The United States can't. We are required by the Constitution to pay our debts. When we became a country, it was one of the things our allies like France demanded of us, that we honor our debt obligations. And so as a result, we have a very stable currency. So after World War II, it becomes fiat currency, where where instead of using the gold standard, we're just going to assign a value and that's it. Now, you may hate that, but that's the way the world works. The world's not going back to the gold standard, which contrary to the, the, the romanticism of the gold standard, wasn't very stable either. So now what happens uh, when the government needs to take out debt? What does it do? It sells bonds. Other countries can buy those bonds. And you can buy those bonds. Most of the money that the U.S. government owes is money to the American taxpayers who are bondholders of federal debt. But it's not just American citizens. Other countries buy our bonds because our bonds tend to generate a rate of return that they know they're going to get. And so for investment purposes and other things, they'll buy our bonds. It's not like we're indebted to China per se. China can buy our treasury bonds just like everybody else can buy our bonds. Other countries take out loans from like the International Monetary Fund and things like that and say, we've got to, we need a bunch of money. We need to bail out from the rest of the world. And so they go to the International Monetary Fund or the World Bank and say, we would like to take a loan from the United States and the West for X amount of money and we'll pay it back. We don't do that. We're the lender. We lend to other people. What we do is we produce bonds. And as interest rates go up, interest on bonds goes up, which means the debt service payment 
from the federal government goes up. We're at $31 trillion now. There are only two things the United States government, well, there are three things the United States government can do. The one way the U.S. can can lower interest rate payments and lower the national debt is to grow our way out of the situation. If our economy explodes, our GDP becomes so big, it reduces the size of our national debt in terms of gross domestic product, and that's a way to pay down the debt. But we're not growing the economy anytime soon. In fact, we're headed into a recession. The other thing the government can do is raise taxes. That would hurt us in a recession. The last thing the government can do, the thing that Republicans and Democrats alike are abhorred to do, is cut spending. That's where we're headed with this. Because as the bond payment grows because interest rates go up, there's less money in the discretionary budget of the United States to cover everything else. So the only thing Congress can do is raise taxes, which Democrats want, or cut spending, which Republicans want, and neither side really wants to do cut spending unless the other side is in charge of the other branch of of, of of government of the first and the second. So it's it's a bad situation for us financially. It becomes destabilizing, not because we can't pay the debt, but because paying the debt because becomes so burdensome that taxes have to go up or spending has to be cut. And so many people are now so dependent on the federal government for so much, the government is hard-pressed to cut spending because it hurts the welfare state. That's where we are. I hope that helps. Back to the phones we go, 877-973-7425. Greg, you're going to be up next on the Eric Erickson Show. Greg, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, Eric. Good to talk to you again. Hope you're doing well. You too. Um, I tell you, be very, very wary of any Iran deal brokered by Joe Biden because we all know Joe Biden has the worst foreign policy record of any government official in the last 40 years. We know from his years on the Foreign Service Committee, Foreign Policy Committee, Senate Foreign Relations Committee, that that he's just wrong. He's been wrong on everything for years. Yeah. Oh, listen, um, what was it uh, Barack Obama said, uh, never underestimate Joe's ability to F things up. Um, Robert Gates, who was both the defense secretary for Obama and for um, for George W. Bush at the end of his term, said that uh, Joe Biden has been wrong on everything in foreign policy for 50 years. And that is in print in his uh, autobiography or his yep. memoirs. Yep. Uh, and he's right. Yeah, he's right. Um yeah, Joe Biden is the guy, just for those of you who don't understand what Greg is talking about and, and what um, Gates was talking about, Joe Biden wanted to divide Iraq into three portions, and everyone agreed that it would provoke a massive civil war and the intervention of the Turks and the Iranians if they did it. And Joe Biden very dogmatically insisted it be done, and thankfully he was not in charge. But look at the Afghan withdrawal. Everyone told him not to do it the way he was doing it, that if he was going to do it, model it after Trump and wait for the winter when the war fighting season was over. And he very dogmatically refused to do that, causing the deaths of 13 American soldiers. Well, he's uh, he's putting us in a world of hurt, and uh, his Mr. Gates's statement is being proven out every day. Yeah. Republicans oh. got to fight it, got to campaign on it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's, it's a good closeout argument for him, Greg. Thanks very much. And by the way, this is why the Democrats are suggesting in conspiracy theory language that uh, the Saudis are doing this to help the Republicans because they know it's going to become a campaign issue. 
crime had been the Republican closeout issue. They may now go with gas prices again. Tom, you're going to be up next on the – or Tim, I'm sorry. Tim, welcome to the Eric Erickson Show. Hey, Eric. Thank you for taking my call. I, I just had to give a compliment to the caller a couple of times ago, and one of the reasons why I love listening to your show, I always learn something about the, the economy and, and all of the kinds of stuff. But what I was going to talk about, the last caller kind of stole a little bit of my thunder, and that is that Joe Biden has been wrong on everything, not just the economy, not just energy, but foreign policy. And, and we're all feeling the pain of his policies domestically. But when you when you really think about how Americans get hurt is, is through foreign, foreign policy. And, and if I'm not mistaken, uh, I like to think about history and stuff. And in and, and my memory, I'm, I'm not sure if it's that good, but was he not instrumental under the Obama administration to uh, ensure that uh, Iran would get centrifuges, centrifuges that are capable of making nuclear weapons. And if I'm not mistaken as well, wasn't it the Obama administration and Biden that wanted Iran to get a nuke because they wanted to change the balance of power in the world? They uh, thought it was a good thing. No, I, I now no one publicly said it. And, and uh, I don't know that Biden wanted them to get a nuke. He wanted them to be able to build nuclear reactors so that they could have power without the use of fossil fuels because of um, uh, climate change. He did. We were told the same. Yeah, go North back Korea. to yeah. I was about to say he, he was also he. Joe Biden was a big advocate in the nineties of nuclearizing North Korea, not for weapons, but for power. That's right. He was under the Clinton administration. Yep, way back to Clinton, wasn't it? Yeah, he oh was. He, so Joe Biden at the time was in the Senate, and he became a very loud supporter of the idea that the way to advance North Korea and get them out of their tri- uh, cloistered communist state mm-hmm. was to enable them to come into the 21st century with nuclear power. Uh, and everyone told him, "Joe, they're going to take the uranium and use it for bombs." And he's like, "Of course, they're not going to do that." Yeah, right. Yeah, this this is I Joe mean, Biden. Really and, that, um, go ahead, what? I, I Do they really think that, that we're, we're that stupid? I mean, here I am just Joe Schmo, regular citizen, and I can kind of see, connect the, the dots, if you will. And when you look at how the United States under the Clinton administration handled North Korea, the same thing is about to happen with Iran. And 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 not to mention the, the, the Shiite bloodlust. Yep. They, they would actually be willing to use one or give it to somebody who is willing to use one. I mean, they, when they emptied the prisons in Afghanistan and just days later, one of those guys that was in uh, terrorists that was in the prison at, uh, blew up thir- 13 servicemen. And we all knew it was probably going to happen. I mean, it was just put in an in a untenable situation. Well, the same thing could happen to the United States. As a whole, I mean, ma- micro 13 soldiers dying, macro, you know, uh, uh, a nuke detonates in the middle of Manhattan. And look, with all these people, yeah, coming across the border, there's 15,000 people yeah. a day getting out of um, escaping Border Patrol. We know that. Oh these are, it's, yeah, 15,000 a day are able to get across the border without being stopped. We know this. Bill Malugan reported this on Fox News the other day. It's record high yeah. uh, getaways is what they call them. 
or gotaways. Yep. They've gotten away from Border Patrol. This is a profoundly dangerous situation. Tim, i got to let you go there because i got to go to commercial break. But this is profoundly dangerous. I, I don't know that people appreciate just how dangerous this situation is uh, economically, militarily, national security-wise. Uh, th- we got problems, and Joe Biden's creating all of them. By the way, uh, the Associated Press is reporting Biden has authorized completing portions of the border wall. But he's not releasing statements publicly to say so because he doesn't want to alienate progressives who don't want a wall down there. But he knows politically he's got a problem and he's got to do something. So they are finishing some portions of the wall that Donald Trump had already started. But he just doesn't want anybody to know. Good grief. Folks, one of the groups that's fighting back against all of this stuff is Patriot Mobile. They are taking a stand for conservatives. In fact, they've started playing if by finding candidates, recruiting candidates, and funding candidates in school board elections around the country. They take a portion of their profits and help get those conservative candidates elected against woke school board members. Out of 11 places they've tried it, they've won 11 races. What they do is they use a portion of their profits that they get from you taking your business there. You can port over your current phone number or get a new phone number and work with a good Christian conservative company. What you do is go to PatriotMobile.com slash Eric. PatriotMobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K. You can see their coverage map. You can port your phone number over. If you've got an unlocked phone, you can take it to them or get a new one from them. You can also call them 972-PATRIOT. If you're worried about your cell phone service, go see their coverage map and don't worry about it. You get guaranteed great service. They use the same cell towers everybody else uses. PatriotMobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K. Y'all be sure to text DATA to 33777 today. I put in my morning piece, it's accessible to everybody under the sun. If you just text DATA to 33777, I put in there the explanation of what's actually going on with OPEC. So you really understand it for yourselves. And I think it's very, very important that you understand that Joe Biden has decided to prioritize terror regimes over Texans dictators over Dakotans, authoritarians over Alaskans, and all the rest of us in America. Uh, He is trying to build up uh, the financial revenue of Venezuela and Iran and Russia, and all he has got to do is drill more here. This administration has issued fewer federal leases for drilling oil than every administration going back to Harry Truman during World War II. That's your perspective here. He could reduce regulations, get the wokes and the the green cultists out of his administration. He could do so much to boost domestic energy production, and he has refused to do that. Instead, wanting to prop up rogue regimes. Having said all that, I got to say something nice about the president. He went down to Florida. Man, DeSantis had such a good day. Uh, you had uh, Joe Biden praise him, Donald Trump praise him. This is Joe Biden. Yeah, you'll have to ignore the climate change bit, but this is Biden praising DeSantis. What the governor's done is pretty remarkable so far. What the governor's done, we, we don't have to get into his lecture on climate change. What the governor's done is pretty remarkable so far. And then here's Donald Trump last night. We also thank God for the Coast Guard and the National Guard and law enforcement always and first responders and countless others who have stepped forward in this time of need and god bless our governor and god bless all of the mayors all of the mayors and they're all working so hard and they're heroes and uh, we're gonna get through this 
Yeah, I, I mean, DeSantis had a very good day on the national spotlight. In fact, the Biden team screwed up. They let DeSantis stand behind the presidential seal. It was a photo op the right loved. There's DeSantis standing behind the podium with the seal, President of the United States. A lot of the presidential advance teams won't let that happen. They'll take the seal off before someone speaks, or they'll put up a seal uh, where the president himself is not speaking behind the presidential seal to avoid the others doing it. It was kind of a, a faux pas moment there. I'm sure Ron Clay was at the White House bristling about it. Here is DeSantis in Florida with Joe Biden, his bipartisan moment. And, and I think we've worked as well across state, local, and federal of any disaster that I've seen. And so I want to thank uh, Administrator Criswell from FEMA for being uh, on the ground, uh, being supportive, and being very responsive. I think one of the things that you're seeing in this response, we are cutting through the bureaucracy. We are cutting through the red tape, uh, and that's from local government, state government, all the way up uh, to the president. So we appreciate uh, the, the team effort. The media for a while has been craving some moments of bipartisanship. They've been craving moments of of support between the Democrats and the Republicans. And they got it yesterday. They, they got what they said they wanted, a return to normalcy, where both sides can be partisans, but on the big issues come together. They got that. And they don't know what to do with it. And that, that is what I find so striking in the commentary that came out after this. They don't know what to do with it. It's amazing how quiet the media coverage of DeSantis has gotten in the last 72 hours as he has dealt with the hurricane and done so very competently and defended local Democratic officials in parts of the state where the disaster hit. He defended them said he wasn't going to second-guess them. They were doing their best with the data provided for the care of their citizens, and there was no point in second-guessing and armchair quarterbacking them. Democrats, he did that. And the media expected him to throw them under the bus to defend the Republican areas of the state, not the Democratic areas of the state. It looked very leaderly. It looked like the return to normalcy so many in the media wanted, and they were left without words because of it. I found that very notable. Now, when we come back, we do need to spend a little more time on the situation in Georgia, but also the other Senate races out there. And I'll explain to you why I didn't lead the show with that.